Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time for the man that show hosts across the country have been raving about. What this guy move. has got to be one of the cockiest human beings on planet Earth. On Earth, I love him. I, I happen to like that guy, but who the hell does he think he is? I like that. Okay, maybe not Evan Cohen, but Mike Babchick has a weird obsession with him. That's why I like him, because he's he's hot! He's even caught the eye of Adam Shine. Joe Serralo, pride of St. Bonaventure. Woj has called him the future of the industry. If you're still not sold, well, take Adam's advice. If you don't believe me, ask Joe. He'll be the first one to tell you how great he is. Now, it's time for Sorallo Sports Talk with, you guessed it, Joe Sorallo. I might be too strong out on compliments, overdosed on confidence. Started not to give a fuck and stop fearing the consequence. Drinking every night because we drink to my accomplishments. Faded way too long, I'm floating in and out of consciousness. And they saying I'm back, I'd agree with that. I just take my time with all this shit, I still believe in that. I had someone tell me I fell off, who I needed that. And they want to see me pick back up, well, where'd I leave it at? Here we go, it's time, the best damn show you're going to hear all week. And it's Serralo Sports Talk with me, Joe Serralo, and we've got a good one right here for you today. Joining me in just a few minutes, my good friend, former Florida Marlins first round draft pick, former Cleveland Browns quarterback, a guy who could drink you and me both under the table, Josh Booty, joining the show in just a bit. But first, with the weekend approaching, I need to let you know that the absolute worst thing that you can do going into this weekend is get your hopes up on the New York Mets. I know they're playing the Marlins, who, by the way, in what twisted, sick universe we live in, the Marlins are 6-1. and one. I mean, if, if Murder Hornets wasn't the nightcap on 2020 for you, how about the Marlins being 6-1 and one with nearly 20 guys on their team out because of the coronavirus? I mean, these guys are like grabbing random Cubans off the streets of Miami and giving them a ball cap and a jersey and telling them go do their thing. And all of a sudden, the Marlins have the best record in the National League. So the Marlins are 6-1, and one, and they're playing the Mets this weekend. And the Mets, for the last better part of the last 10 years, have owned the Marlins. The worst thing you can do is get your hopes up going into this weekend on the New York Mets. Look, just because Ricky Porcello... Clearly ate his pregame gabagol on Wednesday night before he went out and started swinging his sopressata around in the faces of the entire Nationals lineup. Does not mean that this season is saved and that the Mets are back. Alright, because that's what we all wanted our whole lives to believe, that the Mets are back because they'll go, they'll lose five, six games in a row. They'll have one great win, Porcello, no one can hit it out of the infield. Lugo comes in, gets a six-out save, quick work of the Nats lineup. They just beat the defending World Series champs. The Mets are not back. The Mets will never be back. Do not think that the Mets are back. Look, the Mets are like that Tinder match that we all get once in a while, right? Maybe you super liked her if you're really freaking desperate. Maybe you just swiped right because you were bored and she happened to match. And she's a dime. Right? We're going to call her Brittany. And if, if Brittany's your mom's name, you can call her Lindsay. 
for all intents and purposes. But I'm still going to call her Brittany. And if Brittany is, in fact, your mom's name, you're just going to have to accept your mom probably has a pretty questionable past. All right, so back to Brittany, right? This chick's blonde, blue eyes, baby blue eyes, looks like an LA Rams cheerleader. And you're thinking it's too good to be true, right? Probably has like University of Alabama in her bio, three Greek letters. She doesn't know what the fuck they mean, but it's her sorority. Maybe her third picture is like a picture with her little, who she stabs in the back every chance she gets, but will still post pictures with like every Sunday morning. Like, OMG, love this girl so much. She completes me, right? That's Brittany. And, and you know that you don't like Britney. You know that you will never actually be happy with Britney, just like you will never actually be happy as a Mets fan. But Britney's hot, and so you want Britney. Now, how do you get Britney? Well, you sit on it, you wait a day, because if you message her, like, right away, forget it. Britney's gone, right? Not, I'm not even talking ghosting you. I'm talking, like, unmatching with you. So you wait, like, a day or two. And then you come up with some cheesy pickup line that you thought way too long about to get Britney's attention. And what does Britney do? You did everything right. You came up with a unique line to stand out. You waited. You didn't come off too desperate. Britney still ghosts you. Because all Britney was there to do in the first place was get your damn hopes up. Because that's all Britney knows how to do. And that's all that the New York Mets know how to do is get your hopes up. Because you think they might be onto something. They lost five in a row. Porcello goes out there. You weren't expecting anything. Just like, let's be honest, when you swiped right on Brittany, you weren't expecting to match. Because you're a five on a good day, and she's a nine when she rolls out of bed in the morning. You were not expecting Brittany to swipe right on you. But she did. And just like you weren't expecting Porcello to go out there and shut down the defending world champs, he did. And now you're thinking Michael Waka's pitching tonight. The Marlins are in town. They've got a minor league roster that they're fielding. You'll go Waka, Peterson, clinch it with DeGrom, get a sweep. The Mets will be right back in this thing. You're wrong. You're dead fucking wrong. Because as good as DeGrom might pitch on Sunday, the Mets still aren't going to score because it's a day game. And that's what they do on Sunday day games. So you're wrong. And you're going to end up disappointed just like you were with Brittany when she swiped right on you for the sole reason of hoping that your family had a boat back in July that she could party on for the 4th. Because that's the only reason Brittany swiped right on you. Because you're ugly, but she hoped that your family had a boat. And she found someone else with a boat, and now you're useless, and Brittany's never going to talk to you. That is life as a Mets fan. The Mets are not going to get hot suddenly, sweep the Marlins this weekend. They're back in playoff contention. It's an expanded field. Anything can happen with eight teams making it. No. They're going to disappoint you, and they're going to leave you feeling like shit about yourself because that's what the Mets do. Now, the Yankees, on the other hand, the Yankees are totally like that silver spoon friend that we all had, right? Like, kid just messes up time after time, pisses everyone off, and gets away with absolute murder like can do no wrong doesn't matter what he does we'll get out of it right because that's the Yankees because they have everything going for them they shouldn't be complaining about a thing they're nine and three they've got the second best pitcher in baseball and Garrett Cole their lineup hits them out of the park in their sleep right I mean the Yankees this, this 60 game season was built for the Yankees to just go like 45 and 15 win a world series no problem But instead, you've got Aaron Boone 
being a whiny bitch in Philadelphia. Now, look, maybe there's a little jealousy going on. Maybe it's because he looks in that other dugout and sees Joe Girardi and thinks about the ring that Joe Girardi got when he was in New York and that Boone can't get, hasn't gotten yet, maybe will never get. That could be the whole thing. But you've got Boone whining to umpires, going out there and complaining that there are fans literally standing outside of the stadium with air horns. I mean, freaking air horns. That's your. Are we playing golf now, Aaron Boone? Like, you're used to playing in front of 50,000 screaming Ginzos in the Bronx who probably wear the same wife beater under their Yankees jersey like five days a week. You're used to playing in front of that crowd and you have a problem with a couple people outside of Citizens Bank Park using air horns? Are you kidding me? You just got eliminated from the postseason a year ago by a team that was using computers to cheat? And your problem right now is with a couple of air horns in Philadelphia? It's Philadelphia. You should be lucky that you're not listening to gunshots while you guys are trying to play baseball in Philadelphia. Air horns are your problem? You're actually wasting your time complaining to umpires, probably getting within six feet of umpires because of air horns. When you're used to playing in front of screaming fans, 50,000 of them. When you're used to scoreboards making, you know, that make some noise thing with that crappy background music. You can do all that in a normal season, but you can't put up because there's no fans in the stadium. You can't put up with a couple air horns outside the ballpark. And what the hell do you want the umpires to do about fans standing outside the gates? What can they do? Get off the sidewalk? I mean, is Aaron Boone really turning into like that crazy, grumpy old neighbor we all have who like has lived alone for the last 40 years? Is that what Aaron Boone is becoming? Complaining about fans outside of the stadium you know what else you can hear cars honking people yelling drunk people walking down this it's philadelphia an air horn is literally the least of your problems people in philly go to bed to gunshots every night and you're complaining about an air horn what your savages in the box can't hit a zach wheeler slider because there's an air horn blowing off outside the stadium i mean are you kidding me aaron boone for Every single reason I just listed off as to why a Mets fan's life is absolute hell. This is why I have no tolerance at all for the Yankees and their fan base. Because the Mets can't catch a freaking break, have never been able to catch a freaking break, and the Yankees are complaining about air horns some 800 feet away. Give me a break. Josh Booty joins the show next. Don't even think about leaving. You're locked into the best sports talk out there. Here's Joe. back here on Sorallo Sports Talk. It's me, Joe Sorallo, joining me. It's my guy, former first-round pick by the Florida Marlins, former Cleveland Browns quarterback, Josh Booty. Josh, thanks for coming on, man. Man, always. It's always fun to catch you at the Super Bowl media row. Uh, We've had some good times there. I know last year down in Miami, but it's always fun to join you, Joe. Appreciate you having me, brother. 
Josh, thanks for the kind words, man. Always a blast seeing you down at Radio Row. Like you said, Miami, one of the most fun Radio Rows I've ever been to. How could you have a bad time in Miami? I mean, you know better than anyone. You played down there for a few years. <laughs> I love it. You know, a lot's changed. I was down there in the in the late 90s playing for the Marlins and was able to, you know, be a backup on the 97 team. I was a rookie coming up. Uh, but a lot's changed in Fort Lauderdale and in Miami. But it's it's always fun. The fans love to come to South Florida in the winter, you know. It's like New Orleans or San Diego. You you love to be in a – in a great weather environment, and Miami usually is, and it was a fun year. Always a blast to be in Miami. I'm sure you you had a ton of fun too. You know, I was hanging out with a lot of uh, a lot of your guys from the Believe Network, and yep. uh, those guys know how to party. You know, I have to give it to them. <laughs> guys like Brandon Lang, Bron, you get stuck in Miami with those guys, and you might wake up not knowing where the hell you are. Brandon Lang, something else, isn't he? And Bron, he's one of my best friends ever. Now, don't let don't let the smooth face fool you with Bron Houston stamp. He's He's one of Hollywood's biggest partiers, and <laughs> he always has a good time. I, you know, he went to SC, was Matt Leinert's roommate, and that's how I met him when my brother was playing at SC under Pete Carroll and uh, playing with Leinert and Bush and some of those teams. And so I was always hanging out with Braun and some of the other guys that were uh, not on the football team and had, didn't have to go to practice every day. So we, we had a lot of fun going to games. We traveled together, watching some of those big-time USC games when they were just loaded and uh, we had a lot of fun, uh, you know, as, as well in L.A. Hold on. So, so Bron, who I've known Bron for over three years. I never knew. He was Matt Leinert's roommate. Yeah. he was, And Bron was a pro surfer. So That I know, yeah. Yeah, he was a pro surfer and Leinert's roommate. And Bron's done a lot of radio, too. Me and him have done a lot of radio together uh, in Southern California. But, yeah, he's, he was Leinert's roommate in college, and, and that's how we met. He, he would come to all the games. We'd sit together up in the stands and, and have fun with they played at Hawaii, I think, uh, the second year Matt started at SC. My brother's a backup. We went to Hawaii together for a week, stuff like that. We had a lot of fun. So, all right, so I got to know then, if, if Braun was rooming with Matt Leiner and obviously your brother John David Booty, quarterback at SC also, so you're out there all the time partying with these guys. You played quarterback at LSU, which is an absolutely phenomenal party school. <laughs> yeah. How do those two schools compare, USC, LSU, when it comes to the party scene? Well, you know, Louisiana, there's no curfews. You, I mean, you can go all night. New Orleans is an hour away. It's, it's, it's a different, you know, culture and mentality. Everybody's, you know, a lot of beer drinkers, a lot of, a lot of fun to be had in, in South Louisiana. Great food, great people. In L.A., it's, you know, it's big time. Uh, Hollywood's a whole different world. And SC is positioned south of downtown, which is about, 10 minutes from Hollywood, 20 minutes from West Hollywood, downtown the scene in LA has gotten really good as well. So they're in a different environment. I mean, they're in a big league environment, big market environment. I mean, those guys, there was no NFL. There wasn't the Chargers weren't in LA. The Rams weren't in LA uh, at the time. So they were uh, the NFL franchise of LA, which was the second biggest media market in the, in the U S. So you can imagine how big it was. I mean, th those guys were, uh, those guys were celebrities. I mean, it, it was crazy to think that because I had already gone through college, had been to the NFL, had played, you know, in Seattle and Cleveland and Oakland uh, with the Raiders. And, and to come back and see how those guys were treated in a bigger market than I'd played in, uh, you know, in a pro market, it was just phenomenal. It was just crazy. You know, when Matt Leinart was at SC, he was probably the biggest college football celebrity of all time. And I think – you know, since then, you know, Reggie got big there with Leinart kind of at the same time. 
and then Tim Tebow came along and then Manziel came along and then social media was happening. And so there was kind of a chain of, of how these guys jumped up from a media perspective in, in terms of heights and their name, you know, and the, and the, and the lights and the star, they were stars. It's, it's crazy. But Liner was the first real superstar there in LA uh, because there was no NFL franchise and Braun was his roommate through the whole thing. So it was pretty, pretty cool to see. <laughs> That's wild. Now, look, I know John David's your brother, right? I know you love him and all that crap, but does it piss you off a little? You know, I mean, you, you made it to the big leagues for baseball. You made it to the pros for football. And then you go see how those guys get treated at USC playing yeah. college ball and that they're like A-list celebrities out in LA. I was, I was envious, man. I was that guy. <laughs> I was going, if I could do it all over again, that wouldn't be a bad you know, that wouldn't be a, a bad choice to make. And, you know, I'm, I'm close friends with the Palmers, with Jordan and Carson. And Carson was a Heisman Trophy winner. And that's why my brother ended up signing with Pete Carroll. Norm Chow was there, the offensive coordinator, who was also at BYU for all those years, setting all those records with Ty Detmer and, uh, you know, Jim McMahon and Robbie Bosco and all those great passers. Steve Sarkeesian, who uh, played under Chow at BYU, uh, lineage of quarterbacks and he was there at USC so uh, when my brother got an opportunity to go to USC and play and and uh, you know Leinart was there already when JD signed Matt Castle was there Mark Sanchez was there there was a there was a lot of great quarterbacks that Pete and Norm recruited right in a row and so it was a, just a phenomenal opportunity for him but yeah I've thought many a day man it would be fun to go back to college and sign at USC because the tradition and, you know, it was just that time that Pete Carroll era was so special. And the way he coached his players and the way the players loved him. I got to play for a guy like Nick Saban, but my brother got to play for a guy like Pete Carroll. Two different, you know, vastly different coaches, but both got it done major in major ways. So looking back now, hindsight's twenty twenty. Which coach do you think you would have rather played for? Still Saban or Pete? <laughs> well, you know, Saban got the most out of you. There's no doubt about it. He's the best, maybe the best coach of all time in, in college football. Uh, you can say Bear Bryant. You can say Nick Saban. Uh, no one touches those two. Um, but Pete Carroll would be a lot more fun to play for. Uh, you know, after practice, I, I, I remember going to, to watch J.D. a lot in practice, and they were having so much fun. And after practice, Pete Carroll would pop up a volleyball net and, and put some beach sand out and they'd be drinking lemonade, and he'd be playing volleyball with them after practice. I'm like, Nick Saban would never do anything like that. So, you know, Pete Carroll did it a different way. Uh, Saban was just – he was military. Uh, when I played for him at LSU, he had not won a national championship yet at the college level. So he had, he had a, a chip on his shoulder and a lot to prove. And I played – you know, Jimbo Fisher was the offensive coordinator, and those two guys are, are a lot alike and they're really tough on on uh, the other coaches and the players and the staff. Really, everybody's held accountable. Pete Carroll's a little bit more fun than, than Nick Saban. You know, I, I could be wrong here, but Saban's a pretty short guy, right? Yeah, him and Pete are about the same height. They're like 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, oh, it is Pete that short? I thought Pete yeah. was bigger. No, they're both the same height. Because I, I was going to say, when it comes to Saban, I've noticed with any football coach I ever had back when I used to play, Usually, the shorter they are, the more they feel they have to prove. Dude, we had a we had an offensive line coach at LSU, Rick Trickett. Also, was at FSU with uh, Jimbo when they won a national championship with Jameis Winston. He was about five six, ex military guy, 
and he would get up under your helmet and just rock you right here under your chin with his, I mean, with his, uh, with his open hand. I mean, he would come, if you didn't do, uh, and, and he, and he's, he's coaching those big 300 pound gorillas, right? And I mean, yeah. he, he'd pop them under the chin strap with his, with his uh, open hand and he'd wake them up, son. And he would get up under them and yell at them so loud. I'm like, this guy is nutty, but Rick Trickett, look him up. He's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, we had, a, we had an old coach back in high school. I'm not going to name any names, but he was a running backs receivers coach, and the guy was about 5'5 five, five by 5'5. Five, five. And he would just, like, walk around. Every <laughs> room he walked into, he's got his chest puffed out. And his favorite thing to say, because I was playing D-end at the time, his favorite thing to say to us used to be to the lineman, if I had your size, I'd be in the pros. I wouldn't be coaching <laughs> high school. And I was like, yeah, dude, but you don't. And I may not be going to the pros, <laughs> but I'm 6'4", so I'm probably going to get more girls than you just because you're 5'5". Five, five. Like, 100%, dude. He had no chance. I mean, these uh, guys are just, I, these little guys are just chippy from the start. They are, man. They get the little man's disease. They got, they, you know, a lot of them couldn't play, so they coach, right? And they, they live through their players. But, you know, they get a lot out of the kids, and they love it, man. There's so many guys out there, you know, with this COVID that are hoping football happens because it's going to be – a release for a lot of these coaches. I mean, think about all the high school coaches that are just chomping at the bits to get something going, play high school football, all the, all the, you know, I guess the draft king guys, the, the, the betters out there. I mean, there's so many people that want this thing to happen because it's just so much fun, man. I, I can't wait for football. If this thing opens back up and we get to play football, it's going to be great. Yeah, man. It's been a wild four or five months, but you've been capitalizing on it, haven't you? What have you been up to the last four months? Yeah, man, I, I got involved in a, a healthcare company, a medical supply company called SC Health. So schealth.com, if you're following it on any uh, social media, it's SC Health, but, or at SC Health. But uh, we've tried to help as many people as we can uh, with the PPE stuff. We've delivered a lot of masks, gowns, face shields, gloves. I mean, uh, government entities, procurement offices, retailers we're working with now. We've done a lot of donations uh, nationally, probably in 10 different cities or markets um so we've been able to help uh, a lot we donated a hundred thousand masks to the city of new york uh last week uh been to new orleans uh atlanta nashville we've done a lot for a lot of uh, places so I'm, i've been i've been proud to be able to say i was a part of a little bit of uh, of helping you know along the way and and uh, so we're doing a lot with uh you know, with uh, with a good group of guys and in, uh, in south carolina and like i said it's called sc health Josh, that's awesome. I mean, it's been way more productive than I've been so far in this quarantine. The only, the only thing I've done is you see that poster right over your right shoulder. The only thing I've done in quarantine is catch up on Peaky Blinders. <laughs> that's and my that, favorite show. That has got to be, you know, I'll be honest. I didn't want to watch it. When I started watching, I, I like all those like Italian mob movies and everything like that. Yep. My girlfriend yep. wanted to watch that. And I was like, English, like crime gangs, like <laughs> what is an English crime gang, right? Like it's, it's the mafia or nothing in my opinion. Uh, yep. We watched the first episode, and I wasn't totally sold until the last scene when uh, when Shelby's friend, when he, you think he killed him, and then the guy's actually alive on the boat. Oh, yeah. Oh, That's yeah. when I was, was sold, awesome. and I got hooked. I got to know, if you could be one Shelby family member, which one oh, would it be? Cillian. I want to be the head to Tommy. I mean, he's the gangster, man. He's 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 tough as nails. You know, he's he's like Saban and, and uh, Rick Trickett, man. He's yeah. the guy's nails. And uh, he's tough, you know, and nothing bothers him. And he's a, he's a badass. I, I just love him. I, 
I, I can't wait for the next show. Me and my girlfriend have watched all the series and, and absolutely love it. So it's, 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 I think it's the best Netflix show or, you know, the best, best series I've ever seen. It, it, it is incredible. And, you know, I don't disagree with anything that you just said, but it kind of feels like the easy answer. I mean, look, we all know, like, Cillian Murphy, like, he's got those piercing eyes that, like, yeah. everyone's girlfriend probably thinks about 24-7, right? He's got, like, that calm demeanor. He's, he runs the show, and everyone wants to be that guy who runs the show. But wouldn't that pressure get to you after a while? <laughs> it would. I, he looks like he never, he never sleeps, you know, so I, I, I worry about him a little bit, you know. But yeah, Arthur, I mean, Arthur you, you mentioned Arthur in the boxing match, I, you know, how he uh, faked his death that was pretty badass too and, and that's my guy like if I could be any of them like I know look he's not the best looking brother he's got that crazy like bible thumping <laughs> girlfriend going whatever but like to just get hopped up on coke and beat a man within an inch of his life like Arthur seems to have a pretty pretty relaxed life yeah he's he's, he's pretty he you know he doesn't he doesn't take any prisoners either man that guy's he's, he's wanting to kill everybody he sees and I, I like that about him is he just you know give me the gun he'll he'll do it he'll take he'll take the heat no shit's given at all at all man so it's fun it's fun to it's fun to watch Arthur's character but um I, I just love silly and how smooth he is and how, how much he thinks about things before they happen yeah no he I mean look he's incredible he's got to be one of the most well-written TV characters I've ever I, seen I, I agree. I can't wait. I don't even know when series, what is it, five comes out or six, what is it, six Six, now? series six. six. Yeah, is, I have no six, clue when it's happening. Yeah, this is going to be you, good. You can't film right now with everything going on, but I, I, I need it right now. <laughs> you know, we, we talked a lot about, like, your party days, hanging out with your brother, hanging out with Bron, Matt Liner at USC. You had, like, the luckiest draw of locations out of anyone I've ever seen, right? You get to play pro baseball in Miami. You get to play college football an hour from New Orleans. You get to visit your brother in L.A. all the time. What is your favorite party story from your days playing college football, playing pro baseball, wherever? Oh, man. I mean, oh, that's a good one. There's so many. I mean, (laughs) we would would fly into Philly to play the Phillies, and we would – this is back in the day when Atlantic City was rocking, and – I would, you know, I was 20, 21 years old. I probably wasn't even legal to go anywhere. And, you know, Al Leiter, Kevin Brown, Darren Dalton, Gary Sheffield, Devon White. I would jump in Jeff Conine. I would jump in the, the, the limo with these guys and go to Atlantic City for the night. And it would be like, you know, I'm a, I'm a small town kid from Shreveport, Louisiana. And now I'm, you know, now I'm in a limo with Al Leiter and, and Sheffield going to Atlantic City, you know, all night. And so I grew up fast when I, when I signed <laughs> with the Marlins. <laughs> I grew up really fast. But it was, you know, it was a lot of fun. It was eye-opening. Um, it was great experiences. I mean, those some of those some of those L.A. days were unbelievable. I mean, I've been around so many guys in, in both sports, you know. I can't, I can't even really – I couldn't even really come up with a top 10 list to be honest with you. I mean, I was, I was hanging around, uh, you know, Manziel when, when he was at Texas A&M, you know, after their, after the cotton bowl game one night, we had a lot of fun, but I mean, there's, that's, you know, there, there's so many stories. I can't even, I can't even start, but the South Florida ones were, were pretty awesome. Uh, a lot of the New York city trips, uh, the Montreal trips with the, in the big leagues. That's one thing not a lot of people know 
and I'm glad I, you asked this question is, and now there's not a major league team in Montreal, but that was the favorite, that was the favorite place to go play on the road was Montreal when the Expos were there. And I remember playing against Andre Dawson, Vladimir Guerrero, those guys, uh, Pedro Martinez was on the, those Expos teams. Um, unbelievable, unbelievable teams the Expos had before they, they moved uh, down South. But um, that was the funnest place we ever went was Montreal. So we enjoyed New York, Montreal, of course, L.A. You know, those are the fun places yeah. to go. And then everybody liked coming to South Florida to play us. Of course. I mean, how, how could you not? Like, I've been – I spent my 21st birthday in Miami. I spent the week there for Radio Row. It is unequivocally <laughs> my favorite city in the world. It is. It's awesome. And it's international. Uh, you got the warm weather, the water. You know, I, I love Southern California, too, um, because – then there's no humidity. It's always sunshine. And I love San Diego, Orange County, spent a lot of my adult life there, but I love the South too, man. I really like wherever I'm at. I, I enjoy bits and pieces. I love New York. Uh, like I said, I love Canada, I love Toronto and Montreal. I love yeah. Chicago. I mean, there's some great town cities out there, you know, the SEC, uh, cause I played SEC football, you know, I got a lot of respect for a lot of those little SEC towns because there might be 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100,000 people live there uh, during the week, but then when it's game day, it doubles. And that's what – I love that about college football. And I know that happens all over the country in different conferences. Uh, you know, South Bend, Indiana is one I can think of off the bat. Columbus, Ohio is a nice-sized city, but – when Ohio State's playing a home game, it is like, you know, it's like the Super Bowl every time they play at home. Ann Arbor. I mean, it's just amazing how some of these towns come to life. And that's why I love college football. Uh, that's why I love Baton Rouge. That's why I love Oxford, Mississippi, Athens, Georgia. You know, you can you, you can go down the list. It's it's pretty incredible to watch, you know, these, these little towns like Starkville, Mississippi come to life on Saturdays. That's what I like about college football. Yeah, look, it, college football is the best. I'll always say when my Giants aren't playing, if you give me like a random game, I'd rather watch a random college game than a random NFL game. It's just college football to me is the best. I'm with you, man. I, I just love it. I, I'm, I'm so glad they went to Tuesday nights and Thursday nights. And a little Friday nights. Yeah, the Mac games. I mean, I, I love all that stuff. It's like, you know, Ben Roethlisberger played for Miami of Ohio. So if, if Miami, Ohio is playing Toledo, there's some NFL guys out there. I love watching that stuff. And then when there's bigger separations too, between the NFL players on the field, than some of those players they got starting, you know, there's just, it, it's like high school when you see the separation of, of talent. And I, so I love that when you watch LSU and Bama, you're going to see 30, 40 guys that are gonna, NFL players. We know that it's the big showcase game, but I love watching some of those games too, where, it's like Marshall with Randy Moss. You're like, man, he sticks out like a sore thumb. I mean, this guy's unbelievable. And that's why I like Khalil to Mack at Buffalo. <laughs> while watching him just tear up offensive linemen in Toledo and Kent State, it was embarrassing for those guys. Yep, yep. And Jason Taylor at Akron. I'm thinking of some of those players that played in that division or in that conference. But, uh, you know, it, it's it's awesome to watch. I, I just love college football. I'm, I'm I'm eat up with it. I hope we have it. And I'm like Orgeron. I don't know if you saw this last week. He goes, "We'll play at midnight. We'll play in the pasture." You know what I'm saying? I mean, bring it, dude. They're ready to go, man. They want to defend their national championship, yeah. you know, trophy. And uh, so Orgeron's the epitome of 
a football coach, and I'm glad we got him at LSU. Of course, he was at SC when Leinert and my brother and all of them were there with Pete Carroll. SC should have kept him. They didn't. Uh, they miss him bad. And uh, Orgeron's now doing great things at LSU, and I'm happy. You know, it's funny. I was just talking about that yesterday with my father. I mentioned that I was having you on. And my dad, first thing he said, what a mistake USC made letting Orgeron go. Isn't that amazing? I was talking to somebody yesterday said the same thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, big, a big uh, SC booster, and he lives in San Diego, and he's in this PPE space, and he's, he's, uh, he's business partners with uh, Donald Trump Jr., and he said, man, the worst thing we did was let, uh, you let Orgeron get out of L.A. and, and head south. And, and uh, Orgeron's from Louisiana, so he loves it. He's part of the culture. He fits in here. He probably doesn't fit in as well there. SC needs kind of a stately guy. Uh, I really thought they'd get a guy like Whittingham, who's at Utah, uh, or Peterson that was at, at Boise and Washington. You know, you see someone like that kind of fitting in at SC better, maybe. Uh, Urban Meyer, but he's he's conservative. Uh, he's not, you know, left coast uh, liberal. And so he might not fit in there, maybe more at, at Notre Dame or, or the Cowboys or something one day. But, you know, SC, SD, SC is a great program, and I hope they get somebody good one day. I hope Helton can turn it around because he's a nice guy, but they might need more than nice. Yeah, I, I don't know if Helton's the answer out there. But before I let <laughs> you go, you know, you got to it briefly before. Do you think there's going to be a season? Or are we going to watch college football come September 12th, it seems, when most teams are getting ready to start? I think there's – I think we're going to try. I, I think most, you know, most of these conferences are willing to try. And so I think it's going to start now if there is a, you know, big outbreak, if, you know, position groups on certain teams go down and, you know, we see four, five, six guys after Saturday's game, you know, come down with COVID. I think they're going to have to rethink this thing. I think they're going to, they're going to try and they're going to try to see if this thing works. I mean, the NBA thing in the bubble looks like it's working nicely, which I'm happy about. And, you know, even though there's no fans and, and uh, you know, not a lot of access for people to, to be in there watching it with their own two eyes, at least we have it. And, you know, college football is a different deal because, you know, home, home fields, student section, bands, uh, momentum shifts and games because of fan noise. I mean, there's just – it's so big for these kids. And so that's going to be a different type of situation than we've ever seen, and we're in different times. We all know that. But I think we're going to – it's going to start. I just don't know if it's going to finish, and it's all going to have to do with, uh, you know, how well these, these kids stay, uh, you know, uh, not testing positive for the COVID. Yeah, and I mean, look, I know obviously there's some concerns. UConn just canceled the team, but be honest. Would UConn have canceled their season if they didn't suck? No, they wouldn't have. I can <laughs> promise you. They're, Alabama's not going to be the first one to cancel. Clemson's not going to be the second. Exactly. Ohio State and LSU aren't going to be the third and fourth. So <laughs> the big programs, man, they, they're they chomping at the bits. I mean, think about how hard these coaches have recruited over the years to get the players, you know, in their locker room, first of all, you know, and then all the money that goes along with, having these home games in Clemson, South Carolina, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, you know, Columbus. I mean, it just brings so much money and, and value to uh, to everybody involved. Uh, you know, the, the hotel owners, the, the restaurant owners. I mean, it's everybody. So if you, if you can have it, you want to have it. And so, I, you know, I'm hoping that, that we can have it and it, and it goes through a 10-game schedule. I kind of like the conference-only stuff. Uh, that limits travel a little bit. It does some good things, but uh, you hate to see, 
you know, USC, Notre Dame, uh, games like that not played. And, and look, I mean, there are certain things with that. It's like, is it really safer for Rutgers to go play Iowa than it is for Rutgers to play Syracuse? I mean, there, there are certain things with the conference thing that I have problems with. But Josh, thanks so much for coming on. I do want you to know before you go that I canceled the 9 a.m. tea time to talk to you this morning. All right. I, I know, I know you that. would never do that for me, but <laughs> you didn't have to do that for me. I said, I got my, I got my clubs back here. When are you going to come down and play some golf with me, brother? I, I'm waiting on the invite. Dallas is one of my favorite cities. I went there for March Madness uh, three years ago. Yeah. And I went to, what was the name? I must've gone to this club like three nights in a row. Bottle Blonde. Oh yeah. 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 I've been there a few times. <laughs> you know, that started in Phoenix in Scottsdale. Really? That's, that, that's the spot. Check out Scottsdale. Okay. Because I love I, – I went to that club three nights. I was there three nights. I went to that club all three nights. Yeah, it's good. It's good. You know, Dallas is a great place. I mean, Dallas is a great sports town, too. I mean, I think it might be the best sports town if you really get down to, you know, youth sports, too. You know, I mean, high school football. I think this is the best place for high school football in the country. I think New Jersey's got great high school football, South Florida, Ohio. Southern California got probably the best teams are there with modern day and Bosco, but Dallas, Fort Worth area, so many people care about sports here. It's unreal. Well, we'll have to link up, play some golf soon. Josh, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, buddy. I appreciate it. (laughs) Josh Booty here on Sorallo Sports Talk. When we come back, it's time for my final word on Sorallo Sports Talk. Don't change that channel. It's time for Joe's final word here on Sorallo Sports Talk. It's time for my final word here on Sorallo Sports Talk, and I'm ready to piss off all the hockey purists. I have watched more hockey in the last three, four days than I have in the last three years combined, and I've loved every minute of it. But what I've loved more than anything is staying up late for the West Coast games, the games normally I wouldn't care about. And yes, I'm specifically talking about Calgary and Winnipeg. Two cities, two teams, two fan bases, I could not give any less of a shit about. And yet, I'm loving every minute of watching these two teams go at it. Especially... And this is where I might lose you if you're a diehard true hockey fan who wants to see the game played for all the pureness and all that crap, whatever you want to say. I loved what happened last night, right? Milan Lucic, say what you want about him. I personally hate Milan Lucic. Everyone wants a Milan Lucic on their team. He's like Jordan Tutu used to be on my Devils, except imagine if Jordan Tutu was actually good at hockey. That's Milan Lucic. And to see him... With the series on the line, an opportunity for Calgary to clinch and knock Winnipeg out. To see him drop the gloves and go after Nathan Bellew right from the drop of the puck. That's exactly what I want to see right now. If you're that one person who gets home from a hockey game and your wife asks you how the game was and you say, well, the game was great, but a fight broke out and it ruined it for me, you suck. You're the worst. I would never go to a hockey game with you. You could buy me beers all night and I would not want to be seen at a hockey game with you. All right. These guys are animals. You have to be a little bit crazy to play hockey to begin with. 
I mean, and think about all of the pent-up frustration that these guys have, right? Winnipeg is one of those teams that's annoying enough to play against to begin with, right? They're one of those really chippy, kind of dirty teams. Like, let's just flat out call it for what it is. The Winnipeg Jets are a dirty team. And so you understand already you've got the geographical rivalry between Calgary and Winnipeg. Lucic is already a loose freaking cannon, and no one likes the Winnipeg Jets. So right there, you already understand where it came from. But throw in the fact that these guys have been quarantined for the last four months. These guys, who are already a little bit off, who already have a few screws loose to begin with, have been stuck at home with their wives for the past four plus months. I mean, look, maybe the first week or two was great, right? Maybe they thought that they could rekindle everything at home with Karen, try some new kinky shit in the bedroom. By May, none of these toothless guys' wives wanted to touch them. So yeah, there's a lot of pent-up frustration being taken out right now in the NHL, and I love it. I am here for it. The more fighting, the better. That's it for this episode of Serralo Sports Talk. Special thanks to Carter Raymond. Special thanks, Kirsten Krull, for their work on the show. And of course, to my guy, Josh Booty, for coming on and kicking ass like he always does. I'll see you guys next week. I'm Joe Serralo. That's it. What you call it? Big drip. Ice chain peeled water. Ice, ice, ice. You got the cab, but can't afford them. Cash. You got the bad, but can't afford them. Give me the beat, I ride it like a jet ski. Hey. So many bad, bad, they harassing me. Bad. They like me because I rap and be with the athletes. athletes. Stop asking me. Uh. I know they mad at me. Nah. Hop in the coupe, then I slide like it's Vaseline. Excuse West Coast 6, poach on like a trampoline. Six, Take a brick out, put it on the triple beam. Brick I'm not out. from Canada, out. but I see out. a lot of teams. This Manila, I know how to handle her. Like the candle up, make you put a banner up. Uh, uh, Toss a 50 up, make them tie the club tie up. The club Took up. your bitch out the game, I had to sub her. Swap, swap. No masterpiece. Hey. Ten bad bads and they after me. Bad. One bad bad look like a masterpiece. Uh. Looking for a dunk like an athlete. Uh. Big drip, what you call it? Big drip, big drip. Ice chain peeled water. Ice, ice, ice. You got the cab, but can't afford it. You got the bad, but can't afford it. Pick the name. Easy make her open up and eat it. Stars in the ceiling in my seats, they tip a peaty. I see them up with watching and they plotting, trying to sneak me. I can't hear the thought, can't trust the thought, they telling secrets. Big back, take, look back, little nuke. Catch them down bad and nigga, cry a whole river. Now for my back, I'm taking care of the whole village. Somebody got shot, what you talking about, Willis? In the lobby with a brick, a wicked Bobby with your dip. I go Lawrence with the fit, in the robbery with no tent. I'm from the trench, I got the dirty money rent. He was popping, so I popped him, pray to God repent. No masterpiece. Hey. Ten bad bads and they after me. Bad. One bad bad look like a masterpiece. Uh. Looking for a dunk like an athlete. Uh. Big drip, what you call it? Big drip. Ice chain peeled water. Ice, ice, ice. You got the cab but can't afford them. You got the bad but can't afford them. Take off. No limit to the money. money. Nah. I picked the gang up, took a flight across the country. Across the country. I took the wages, told her to keep the ones coming. Hit the store to get some backwoods and left the rape running. Huff. Looking like they blind, but we already on it. In the left, for Celine, like that bad that she wanted. A lot of teams, hey, busting out them jeans, make you want it. Take you wanna spend a fifth and hit the scene with a donut. Whole team full of queens, gotta keep their eyes on them. Snake in the sky, probably wanna slide on them. I bet they ride on them when I put their prize on them. Five. Ten bad, bad, okay, got five of them. No masterpiece. Hey. Ten bad bad then they after me. Bang. One bad bad look like a masterpiece. Uh. Looking for a dunk like an athlete. Uh. Big drip, what you call it? Big drip. Ice chain peeled water. Ice, ice, ice. You got the cab, but can't afford them. Cash. 
You got the bad but can't afford it. Two step. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Two step. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Two step. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.